0: Happy Tuesday to you all out there in Cougar Nation. Hope you all are doing fantastic. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of the Locked On Cougars podcast. We continue to examine the fallout of conference realignment rumors involving Texas and Oklahoma. What will happen for BYU? What will the ultimate fallout be for the Cougars? Well, based on some conversations I had over the past 24 hours, I will share what BYU's mentality might be. Currently, we'll also continue our look back at BYU football history, talking about 1994. John Walsh plays his final year as a BYU Cougar. What were the results of that season? What was the ultimate outcome for guys like John Walsh as they moved on from Provo? And of course, we'll catch you guys up on everything else involving BYU athletics, including getting to a position preview today. We're going to talk about the defensive tackle position for BYU. Playing opposite a nose tackle, what to expect from this unit among the revamped defensive line for BYU. We'll get to all of that ahead. On on today's show our title sponsors our good friends over at rock auto amazing selection reliably low prices all of the parts your car truck your SUv will ever need check them out at rockauto.com all right without further ado let's dive on in on a tuesday this is the locked on cougars podcast for july 27th 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning in Salt Lake City, and a big thank you to all of you for joining us once again right here on your daily podcast focused on all things Cougars with the Locked On Cougars podcast. A reminder for you guys that our goal here is to make sure you guys are the smartest BYU fans in the room when you're talking with your fellow Cougar fans, and the only way you do that is to make sure you join it's every single day as we talk about the Cougars. So hit that follow button. Use your smart device. Tell it to play podcast. Locked on Cougars or play the Locked On Cougars podcast and join us every single day, Monday through Friday, as we keep you guys up to speed on everything involving BYU. Getting going here on a Tuesday edition of the podcast, and yesterday we talked a little bit about conference realignment. University of Texas, as well as Oklahoma, announcing that they are intention, or officially informing the the Big 12 of their intention to not renew their grant of rights agreement that will expire in 2025. There <laughs> Uh, one thing to note about this, and I'm not sure if I made it very clear yesterday on the podcast, and it's something that came to me based on a conversation I had with one of the people who is more in the know on this matter with involving BYU and conference realignment. And they said, Jake, here's the thing: this could be a long-term play from the Big 12, from Texas, from Oklahoma. They have signaled all their intentions are to sit back and if need be, wait until 2025, June 30 of 2025, is I believe when that grant of rights expires and then make their shift to whichever conference they might call home next. Most likely the SEC. There's obviously some Chance that the Big 12 could remain a dysfunctional joined family, or they could jump potentially to say the Pac 12, the Big Ten. I don't know. SEC, for all intents and purposes, appears to be the end goal for both the Sooners and the Longhorns. But this could be a five-year process. And it was brought up to me that Jake, here's the thing: BYU signed a new contract with ESPN that carries them through this exact same period when the grant of rights involving the Big 12 and many other conferences are up and up for rene- renegotiation with TV partners. So, could BYU be a beneficiary if this becomes a protracted, drawn-out legal battle involving the Big 12, involving the University of Texas at Austin, and the University of Oklahoma? Sure, it could, but here's the thing. Anything is negotiable. We're all aware of that. Uh, dollars speak, uh, money talks, you know all that at old adage, whatever it may entail. And I think at this point, if the ultimate decision is that the SEC does vote, they have the 11 of their 14 current members vote to officially extend invitations to the University of Oklahoma as well as the Texas Longhorns to join the Southeastern Conference, I would expect that the SEC goes to 16 teams before 2025 with the addition of those two teams. How soon would that happen? Nobody knows, plain and simple. Nobody knows that exact answer. I don't even think Texas and Oklahoma know quite at this point. I would expect that they think that they're going to be there before uh, no, not there before, before. Be there sooner rather than later, but they have ex- they have signaled every intention if the Big 12 wants to play hardball with these two universities and hold their grant of rights, their media rights until 2025 as they have signed currently. Well, Texas and Oklahoma have signaled that they are willing to do that. So, in this case, BYU, as I mentioned yesterday, just needs to sit back and really let things develop. I was told by another person in a conversation yesterday that BYU, yes, they're willing to dance uh, figuratively, but they need a dance partner. They need somebody to ask them to the dance. They need to have a Big 12, a Pac-12, whatever it might be reach out to them, reciprocate the interest the BYU has shown in the past about joining a Power 5 conference. It takes two to tango, as you all know, and it will take that for BYU to make it into a Power 5 conference. But I think the funny thing about this is, is that the longer this battle goes on, if it becomes a pro- protracted legal battle where you got lawyers involved, and we all know that billable hours are undefeated when it comes to college athletics. Well, it actually could benefit BYU to some degree, considering they currently have a deal with ESPN. And I don't think BYU has any intention of upsetting ESPN or tipping the apple cart and saying, well, we're jumping into this conference. Sorry, ESPN, we're jumping out of our deal. BYU loves working with ESPN. They were, for, for heck's sake, they were on the first ESPN live college football broadcast when they played Pitt in 1984. ESPN, similar to Nike, has been a long long partner of Brigham Young Universities. And also, one other thing about this is ESPN has gone to bat for BYU in the past, especially when it's come to scheduling big-time games for the Cougars. Who's to say that they will not step forward and be a proponent for BYU when it comes to a conference, maybe having to swallow their pride and accept the fact that BYU will not play athletic contests on Sunday? Plain and simple. That is a non-negotiable thing for BYU. Will conferences pass up on BYU because of that? Absolutely. Have they done so already? Yes, they have. There's also been other issues so claimed with regards to LGBTQ and the Brigham University uh, policies against LGBTQ students, etc., on campus, plain and simple, the Big 12 may find themselves in a position where life is completely untenable as it stands, considering you're losing two of the Leviathans, I guess the Leviathans in your conference, and you've got to find some way to survive rather than being picked clean or picked off by other conferences. Could the Big 12 go up from smoke? Absolutely. You could see Iowa State jump to the Big Ten. You could see West Virginia jump to the ACC. You could see the Kansas schools try and join the Big Ten or maybe the remainder of whatever is left with the Big 12, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor. They're just left scrambling, uh, begging the Pac-12 to take them in, begging anybody and anybody who is a Power 5-level uh, conference to take them in and give them safe harbor. That could be the case. But I think the ultimate play here for BYU, similar to what I mentioned yesterday, based on my conversations with folks i talked to over the last 24 hours, is that the Cougars just need to sit (laughs) I try to say stand pat and sit idly by, but that's not, those are two different meanings. Excuse me. They need to stand pat, be comfortable where you're at, also understand that you have uh, some leverage, but it's going to take some time for that leverage to come to bear, if that makes sense. You need to sit back, let the other dominoes continue to fall. You got to find out ultimately what the SEC's intentions are. You need to find out what Texas and Oklahoma's intentions are. You need to find out what the rest of the so-called Big 12 light, the eight remaining teams who are in the Big 12 currently, what are their intentions? You can't make a play right now if you're BYU in your best interest because there's so many variables that are unknown. That was also pointed out to me in the conversation I had with one of the sources I've referenced earlier on in today's podcast. BYU just needs to sit by let things kind of play out, understand that at some point they will be the team that conferences will be calling and saying, OK, what are your non-negotiables here for BYU? And we all know what the main non-negotiable is for BYU. And it's the Sunday play issue. LGBTQ stuff, sure, that's an issue in the modern age. There's no doubt about that. But let's be honest. There's one thing that BYU will not budge on, and that is the fact that they will not have their athletic programs to participate in action in games On the Sabbath day, if a program or a a conference can't get on board with that, I think BYU just sits back and says, you know what, we'll continue to do the status quo here. We have the West Coast Conference who is very understanding of what we're trying to accomplish here, and they're going to support us in what we want to accomplish and what we do as a university. BYU is doing just fine in independence because they do better as a member of the Power Five. Sure, absolutely. The money alone is better at the Power Five level. But BYU just needs to understand what their strengths are, what they mean. And by the way, they have thousands, if not millions of fans worldwide that tune into BYU. No matter if they're just a... Member of the church who has a cursory interest in BYU, or the the diets of the diehards that listen to this podcast, etc. There are BYU eyeballs. Everywhere, And that is something BYU needs to understand that will help them with regards to the negotiations that I'm sure will take place at some point, whether it's two weeks from now or it's four years from now. BYU needs to understand that they are going to have an opportunity to explore their options will ultimately come out that BYU remains independent. Very very likely they could remain independent for the foreseeable future. But also, the longer this legal battle goes on with the Big 12... Well, BYU's kind of got to let things kind of shake out in that regard before ultimately realizing what their true potential is, what their ultimate outcome will be. That, I just look at this, and I think that BYU, at this instance, in this juncture, yes, you don't need to be a beggar, you can be a little bit of a chooser, but that's not because that you have all the leverage in every aspect, because really, there is no leverage to be had right now. There are so many other dominoes that need to fall before it comes to BYU's turn. But eventually, there will be a time that BYU may have to be a beggar if they ultimately believe that Power 5 status is the end-all, be-all for BYU. Do I believe that Power 5 status for BYU should be their ultimate goal? I think it'd be a very, very nice perk. I think it'd be a huge benefit to the university, an absolute boon to the athletic department, especially financially. But BYU is doing just fine as an independent currently. But obviously, Life could be better if you get on the other side of that so-called fence out there that Utah happens to be on the other side of right now. So, yes, I think the BYU will sit back. uh, At least I, I understand that they will sit back, let the other dominoes fall. And when it becomes their time to step into the forefront, step into the fray and really start to evaluate their options... I have no doubt that BYU will make the best interest they feel is available to them and also just is the best in their best interest overall as a university and as an athletic department. And hey, that ultimately comes out to be that they decide to remain independent. I think BYU fans will stick with them. Plain and simple. BYU fans are diehards. There's no doubt about that. Those of you that listen to this podcast every day, you guys are the diehards. I don't see you guys giving up on BYU if they don't make it into the Big 12 this go-around. You've already been through, what, three or four rounds of this already. What's another five years or so if it ultimately comes to pass that BYU makes the Big 12? Great. I think many of you will stick with them and continue to root on the Cougars no matter what the circumstance may be, whether it's as an independent in football or if it's a member of the Big 12 or whatever other iteration of a conference might come about I just didn't tell you this much going back to the G5 that is not happening for BYU they will remain independent before falling back to quote unquote join the or rejoin the mountain West that just doesn't, that's not going to happen It's not going to happen for BYU. So there you go. A little bit long-winded answer to kind of build it off a little bit of a conversation we had yesterday and also just some added tidbits based on some conversations I have had over the past 24 hours with hashtag sources. All right. Coming up here in just a moment, we will talk about BYU football looking back at 1994 for the Cougars as our 100 seasons of BYU football continues. Great conversation to be had about John Walsh and what might have been for BYU. We'll examine that momentarily. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at bet Online. If you guys want to get into the sports betting realm, and I think many of you have at least a cursory interest in this, well, you can do it and do it with our friends at BetOnline.ag. What I love about BetOnline is they have every type of sport covered, no matter what your interest might be. You want to bet on the Olympics? Do that. You want to bet on futures with regards to the NFL or college football? They've got that available to you. PGA Tour, golf, they've got that. you have got MMA, UFC, Major League Baseball, NBA odds, I'm sure, are coming if they're not already available for the next season, upcoming for the National Basketball Association. That's all available with our friends at BetOnline. And the best part is they want to give you some free money to bet with. When you go to BetOnline.ag, you can sign up for a free account, but when you make your first deposit, use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get a 50% welcome bonus. 5-0, 50% welcome bonus. It's all courtesy of BetOnline. Take advantage of it now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON on when you make that first deposit get the free money it's available to you courtesy of our friends at betonline.ag as they are your online sportsbook experts All right, my friends, today's podcast is brought to you by First Colony Mortgage. Many of you probably have heard us talk about them over the past couple of weeks, but you're also very familiar with a certain championship team out of Provo in 1984, but there was another championship team that assembled in Utah County that very same year, and that is our good friends at First Colony Mortgage. First Colony Mortgage, they are a full-service mortgage lender, so that means from beginning to end. Your interest in the beginning, maybe you want to buy a new house, you want to refinance, whatever it might be, from beginning to end, When you start having that interest, you reach out to them for the first time, all the way through closing, signing those documents, and getting the keys figuratively or literally to your new home, First Colony Mortgage is there for you guys. Zach Hicken is our loan officer with us here on Locked On Cougars at First Colony. Any financing you need for your home, Zach will take care of you. Whether you're looking to get into that new home, capitalize on your home's equity with a cash-out refinance, or just take advantage of low rates currently, Zach will be there to walk you through every step of the loan process. You can reach out to Zach directly at 801-380-0752. That's 801-380-0752. Or go to his website, HickenHomeLoans.com. That's H-I-C-K-E-N HomeLoans.com. That's Zach Hicken, NMLS 205-2216. First Colony Mortgage, NMLS 3112. First Colony Mortgage is an equal housing lender. Take advantage of all the things that First Colony has to offer you guys as they are a proud partner with us here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. All right, folks, continuing on now with our 100 seasons of BYU Football Countdown. Today, we talk about 1994 and a season that BYU fans, many of you will recall, and it's actually one of the earliest that I recall in my relatively short lifetime. I'm in my mid-30s now. As I mentioned, that 1987 was when I was born, so I've been watching BYU football for over three decades at this point, but there's one specific part of the 1994 season that will always stick with me, and we'll get to that here momentarily, but the season actually over opened with a very very good whack conference overall Let's just explain to you guys how this season progressed for the WAC in 1994. There were three teams that were ranked in the final rankings at the end of the season out of the Western Athletic Conference. Actually, a very impressive year. You had Colorado State, who ultimately won the WAC with a seven and one record in conference. They were ten and two overall. Utah finished number ten in the country. They were six and two in the WAC, ten and two overall. And BYU finished the year ten and three. They were six and two in the WAC themselves. The season started out uh, fine enough for BYU. They played at Hawaii and at Air Force, two road games to start the year. They went to Aloha Stadium, won a tight game, 13-12 over the Rainbow Warriors, then routed Air Force in Colorado Springs, 45-21. The Cougars came home, though, ranked number 22 in the country, and then lost their home opener to Colorado State, which gave the Rams the cushion they needed to win the conference later that year, losing 28-21. to No matter, BYU went on to win the next five games in a row, uh, beating New Mexico in a barn burner, 49-47, following that up with a blowout of Utah State, 34-6. That put BYU at 4-1. Then they had three road games in a row. They played at Fresno State, winning 32-30. Then a huge win, one of the biggest wins in BYU history, going to Notre Dame, to South Bend, Indiana, taking on number 17, the Fighting Irish. Lou Holtz was their head coach. They beat the Irish... 21 to 14. The lowest offensive output for the Irish is since 1986. An absolutely massive win for Lavelle Edwards and his team. It remains the only win for BYU and South Bend in program history, despite at least five other chances to win. I was at that 2012 game and that pass from Riley Nelson to Cody Hoffman that might have given BYU the lead and ultimately the win will forever haunt me. But nonetheless, a huge win for the Cougars at Notre Dame. They finished up the three-game road set on October 22nd at UTep, beating the Sun uh, the, uh, the Sun Devils. Be- <laughs> the Sun Devils came up next, Arizona State. They beat the Miners 34 to 28. Okay, so after that win against Notre Dame, BYU re-entered the national rankings at number 21, and in the remainder of the season they remained in the top 25. October 29th, Arizona State from the Pac-12 came to Cougar Stadium. Hey, crazy thing, a Pac-12 team playing a game at BYU in late... October? Who would have thought? Well, Arizona State came to Provo and beat the Cougars pretty handily, 36-15. to They took on uh, Louisiana Monroe, who was at that point known as Northeast Louisiana. If I'm not mistaken, I believe this is the first matchup officially of a 1-AA opponent for BYU. I might be wrong on that, but they beat Northeast Louisiana, who ultimately became Louisiana Monroe, 24-10. Followed that up with a win over San Diego State, 35-28. And then the second straight, 34-31, Game came at Rice Stadium in Salt Lake City. They were at number 21 Utah as the number 20 team, so a top 25 showdown between the two rivals. The Holy War game, Utah prevails 34 to 31. Another loss that grinded the gears of BYU fans, and the Cougars ultimately settled for a second place tie in the WAC. The first time since 1988 that they did not at least tie or uh, get a share of of the WAC title. No matter the loss, the Cougars are still ranked number 22 when they received an invite to take on the University of Oklahoma in Tucson, Arizona in the Copper Bowl. Uh, a great game. And this is the th- moment I remember very vividly from my time as a youngster watching BYU football, is the Cougars taking on Oklahoma. The Sooners very much having a down year, but still made a bowl game based on the reputation. This is actually just before Bob Stoops would come in as the head coach of the Sooners. But BYU went out, and John Walsh in particular went out and absolutely handed it to the Sooners with a 31-6 victory. I remember watching the entirety of this game and just being absolutely fascinated by John Walsh. John Walsh went on to ultimately enter the NFL draft after this season, and in one of the more, what do we call an infamous moments in Mel Kuyper's draft history, he believed that John Walsh was going to be a first-round draft pick, was just crowing about it. This guy could be the top overall pick, all that type of stuff. And John Walsh just ran an absolutely abysmal 40-yard dash. Didn't show off the intangibles that many people thought he might have. He ultimately fell to the seventh round, but has a good... Ending coming out of it. Uh, Walsh for the season finished with 3,712 yards, 29 touchdowns against 14 interceptions. A great season for him. There's no doubt about that. Jamal Willis had an absolutely monster season. One of the few 1,000 yard overall seasons with 1,042 yards. Also added 12 touchdowns after taking over kind of that lead back role from Kalen Hall. Hemahe Muley uh, was the second leading rusher for BYU with 552 yards and four touchdowns. But John Walsh, when he decided he was going pro, He made a phone call to a childhood friend of his by the name of Steve Sarkeesian and said, hey, I'm going pro. I know that BYU's recruiting you. You can come here. You can replace me. And we all know what happened in 1996 with Steve Sarkeesian leading the Cougars. Well, we'll talk about how 1995, the first year the Steve Sarkeesian era went on tomorrow's podcast. But crazy to think that John Walsh, had he stayed for 1995 in his senior season as a BYU Cougar, What might have happened? How different BYU football history might have been had they not landed a guy by the name of Steve Sarkeesian? Just one of those things that makes you sit there and think, okay, what happens if he ultimately decides I'm going to come back for my senior year? But you know what? The history is just kind of a funny thing. We all kind of study it, trying to learn from it. And John Walsh's decision to go pro ultimately yielded one of the best single seasons from a quarterback in terms of just overall performance as a team that we'll talk about on Thursday in the 1996 BYU football season. And I think a season that for many of my listeners that are around my age probably sealed their BYU fandom for the entirety of their life. We'll talk more about that as the week progresses, obviously. But 1994... Pretty impressive year all the way around. A couple other notes in terms of standout players who had good seasons. Shane Muirbrook, who would become one of the legendary figures of the 1996 team, he actually led the Cougars in 1994 in tackles with 102 total tackles, six sacks as well. Uh, Randy Brock led the Cougars with eight overall sacks on the season. Stan Ross had 75 tackles of his own on the season in terms of receiving. Tim Nawatsky. funny enough, a guy who grew up in Michigan City, Indiana, which is literally just a stone's throw away from South Bend, Indiana. He led BYU in receiving, so funny to have him go home and play his figurative hometown team and win in an upset win over Notre Dame. He led the Cougars in receiving with 601 yards uh, four touchdowns. Hemahi Muley actually led the BYU in overall touchdowns, received uh, six touchdowns on the year. He added 456 receiving yards in addition to his 552 yards rushing. So another thousand yard overall season for Hemahi Muley out of the backfield for BYU. So there you go. 1994 in BYU history. Very interesting season. And like I said, it yields one of the great quarterbacks who maybe wasn't a standout statistically but obviously was the wizard who conducted the symphony that was the 1996 BYU football team. We'll get to Steve Sarkeesian and how things played out for the Cougars in 1995 on tomorrow's podcast. Alright, we will wrap up today's show with some other the news and notes involving BYU athletics, as well as a position preview of the defensive tackles position. We'll get to all of that here in mere moments. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Rock Auto. With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you stand there and have them ask you all the questions? Was well, you have an LS or an LX model? When they're looking up stuff on their computer ordering only the parts that their manufacturer or their warehouse have as stock, you can go online, you can look up the same parts, even more parts by using our good friends at Rock Auto. You have it at home on your computer or even on your mobile device, your smart device you happen to be carrying in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend maybe 30 50 or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership than what you can spend at rockauto.com? For an example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, just $216 from Rock Auto. It's a family business, been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. All their parts are great, and they ship directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in the how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, folks, before we go here on a Tuesday edition of the podcast, one thing I felt to note on yesterday's show when we were recapping all the news I missed while I was on vacation last week is a huge congratulations to Fred Warner. He's now the highest paid on average annual value or average annual salary in the NFL, an average of $19 million from the San Francisco 49ers, a five-year deal, a grand total of $95 million, $40.5 million of it fully guaranteed. Fred Warner, what a story out of BYU. Guy probably played out of position a little bit for BYU. He's become one of the premier linebackers in the NFL, getting rewarded with a rich contract. And man, you got to feel good for this young man. Came to BYU was probably the best player BYU had on the 2017 team that was really really bad. Becomes a third round draft pick. Becomes a starter as a as a rookie in the NFL. Part time starter, I guess is what we should say. But has become the defensive captain for the 49ers. Wears that green dot helmet. Has the transmitter in his helmet. Spreads the plays to his teammates. He has become just an absolute franchise pillar. And I'm not saying that just because I'm a San Francisco fan. It's just it's a really cool story and Fred Warner very much deserving of that honor and congratulations to him on securing the bag if you will. Alright, one more thing before we go today is a position preview talking about the defensive tackle position for BYU. The depth chart they put out at BYU Football Media Day, their official post-spring depth chart has four players listed at defensive tackle. One of them I'm extremely intrigued by considering how well he came on late in the year last year and that is the guy who's listed as a starter alone Earl Tuioti Mariner, 6'4", 280-pound redshirt junior. Tuioti Mariner was just kind of a bit player for BYU, but as the 2020 season progressed, he continued to really get better and better as the season progressed, played extremely well, I felt like, in the bowl game, had his own moments where he absolutely shined, and really cool to see him being named as the starter at defensive tackle. He's being backed up by a guy who I think really is impressed over the past two years, and that is Gabe Summers, 6'2", 275-pound redshirt sophomore, a guy from Utah County, a walk-on formerly of Westlake High School over in Saratoga Springs. He's the cousin of Chaz Ayu, and Gabe Summers does not very much look the part of a star player on the defensive line, but what he lacks, and I guess the overall look of a star defensive lineman, he makes up for just relentless effort and drive and energy and just gets the job done, and that's the fun part about a guy like Gabe Summers. So a defensive tackle, your top two guys, they are very much guys who have come on strong in the past year and a half or so and that should excite you as a BYU fan as these guys will be playing off nose tackles like Naisa Mahe and Caden Haas they're not the biggest bodies but they don't need to be the biggest bodies they just need to be able to take up space and make plays when afforded the opportunity to do so the two other guys listed as the third string, they have an or next to their name at this position, are freshmen and Blake Mangelson, six foot five, two hundred and thirty-two pounds, a walk-on from Juab High School. Mangelson obviously needs to gain weight if he wants to be a contributor this season at that position. I don't think he'll put on the necessary weight to do that this season. But a guy that's been mentioned by people as a guy who could be a potential impact guy as a freshman is Josh Larson, six foot four, two 281-pound freshman. He comes into BYU with the requisite size, and a guy who I have been described to me, speaking of Larson, as just an overall athletic freak. Does that mean he ultimately will become a star for BYU as a freshman? No, that does not mean that. But at least what I'm hearing about Josh Larson is this is a kid who very much can make plays and knows how to use his body to give himself an advantage like I mentioned he's got the requisite size for this position almost like the ideal size in many ways 6'4 280 as a freshman you only expect him to gain weight and gain muscle over his career as a BYU Cougar who's to say he's not playing this position as a star defensive tackle at 6'4 295 300 pounds when all is said and done so Overall, the defensive tackle position, a lot of guys who don't necessarily have the biggest names or the star potential, but I think guys who are going to impress BYU fans if you watch them closely enough, especially led by Earl Tuioti Mariner. If he can build on what he showed down the stretch of the 2020 season, I absolutely believe he can become a household name. If not, Gabe Summers, his legendary story is a walk-on who's just become an absolute impact player for the Cougar. Well, his story gets told instead, and I think that's really, really cool if if you're a BYU fan watching this position group as they will apply their trade this coming fall we'll continue on with our position previews as the week progresses as we get closer and closer to BYU fall camp and then a, I think a week from today actually the BYU players will be getting ready to report to BYU camp it's August 4th right uh, no so a week from tomorrow excuse me is when they will officially report for training camp and Crazy to think it's that close, folks, but we have almost made it. So get ready for that. We'll continue to break this down as we get closer and closer to the upcoming season. All right, that is going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the show. A big thank you once again for your continued support of the podcast. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. Make sure to follow up with me via email if you have questions, concerns, advertising inquiries, whatever it might be, email us. lockedonbyu@gmail.com at gmail.com is the email address. All All right, that'll do it. Have a great day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 27th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys manana.